podcast is sponsored by The Knot House. The Knot House is a local yarn shop located in historic Frederick, Maryland. Although I'm pronouncing that wrong because I'm very English and it's Maryland, isn't it, Lydia? Um, I have it on great authority that it's something like Maryland. Right. But I still have an English accent so can't quite get it. <laughs> but it's in Frederick, Maryland. <laughs> the Knot House specialises in hard to find indie yarns and accessories such as Western Sky Knits of Montana, Northbound Knitting of Canada, Ribbon Street Bags from California, as well as local indie yarns such as Magpie Fibres and Shalimar Yarns. If you can't make it to Frederick, you can shop at the new online shop at www.shop.nothouseyarns.com The Knot House, committed to fine yarn. And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck and I'm back. Hooray! Hey! Here with Sophie Scott. Hi, Hi Sophie. Hi! And uh, thanks again to Juju who stepped in last week. She was awesome. She was good fun. She was very good. I was a I little mean, bit worried that I might be out of a job there. She, you know, uh, I'm glad you're back too. <laughs> she, well, I thought she had an excellent voice for radio. Yes. And good Canadian uh, voice. Yeah. And, and it was awesome, of course, to have uh, Megan since she did the interviews with me at yeah. TLA. So it felt like there was like a whole gaggle of gals. Yeah. gals. We've got a bit more from Megan. Actually, yeah, let's tell you what's coming up on the podcast. Uh-huh. We've got more from Megan uh, and you, mm-hmm. as you interviewed uh, Amy Hendricks of Madeline Tosh. Mm-hmm. Very excited. That's a lovely interview. I've listened to it, and you guys will soon, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, rec- I recommend it. <laughs> little endorsement. That's my own content. <laughs> yep, so we've got that. We've got... Um, our tell and tell, where we tell each other and you guys about what we've been making. We've got a tip top top tip. Yeah, news and reviews. Um, also, we're going with knitters you should know about, or knitting personality you should know about, who this episode is Field Marshal Fitzroy James Henry Somerset. <laughs> Closely related, of course, to Mr. Cumberbatch and all the other <laughs> very, very English people who grace the television screens. Yes, if you don't know who he is, soon you'll find out. You will indeed. And of course, right at the end of the episode, as always, we'll have our top three. Yay. Where we make a random list of random things. For um, locks. Yeah, for, <laughs> mostly this podcast. Where, where is it lacking in the locks? I don't know. <laughs> it's very serious. I thought it was a very serious endeavour. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, we're currently uh, sat in a sound den that I created out of some clothes horses and the sofa cushions. It's working out really, pretty nicely. It is, and because I couldn't bring the mic stand over because I was cycling. Um, we have wedged the microphone in between two stools. It's great. It's just to set the scene. It's also the hottest day of the year so far in Which, England. Which, because it's England, we acknowledge is not that hot. It's about 30 degrees Celsius. Uh, but guys, we don't have aircon in this country. No, so it's probably hotter in here than it is outside. But we've got some nice icy drinks. Pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah. We're excited to record this podcast. I'm excited you're back. Yeah. I'm excited too. Yes, thank you for uh, everybody who sent me messages and asked how I was. I really appreciate it. Um, it has been a tricky, tricky few weeks. And I want to say thank you actually to the whole Pom Pom team for taking care of me. I had a, a good friend uh, passed away at the end of June. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been a roller coaster. But I'd like to dedicate this episode of Pomcast to him and to everybody who's been so kind to me. Okay, so, Sophie, 
what have you been knitting slash making? Not a lot actually, uh, such as this uh, turbulent exciting time where I'm moving house very soon. Haven't found a lot of time for knitting. Uh, I'm doing some secret things, which I can't really talk about, but boy are they been good. <laughs> um, we've got, um, I've got a couple of things that I can't really talk about, but you know, they'll be seeing the light of day very soon. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's good to finish off some stuff because I'm going to be coiled and ready like a spring to launch into the new issue, which is being released very soon. Indeedy, yeah. Yeah, so we're working on that. All the time that I'm not spending talking to Sophie underneath her sofa <laughs> will be spent. I'll say we'll talk a little bit more about that in news because I want to know what you're knitting. Yes, well, I have actually had, uh, weirdly, quite a good uh, knitting run recently. Mm -hmm. um, over the weekend, I realised I had about three projects that were mere hours away from completion. Um, so I finished three things in one weekend and this, my friends, is an endorsement for leaving your works in progress just just very close to completion. How do you feel on the satisfaction level now? I'm like over the moon. I'm the cow that jumped over the moon from like satisfaction. Zero to <laughs> Rolling Stone satisfaction. No, wait, they'd be they zero. They can't get no. They'd be zero. So. Okay, so from Rolling Stone to what's like the most satisfied that, like person like in, a cat in pop who culture? Got the cream. <laughs> okay, I'm the cat that got the cream and then got to keep, have it and eat it too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I felt very, very happy I finished one item that I cannot mention and two items that I certainly can mention, uh, both of which I've been working on for quite some time. So you'll be like, oh, thank God, she's finally finished them. God. <laughs> uh, one of them is my Equilibrium cardigan, uh, which I was finishing off over the weekend and it, it's quite a, um, because it's the Blacker Yarns Tamar that I'm mm. using which is not a yarn that's good for sweaty hands. It's right. very uh, And did you have the sweaty hands? I did, it was warm. It wasn't as warm as today, um, or as warm as it gets in most of the world apart from here, but my hands were still sweaty nonetheless. And I also finished off my perpendicular shawl. It's exciting. Finally. Were you going to do like a different coloured tip at the end for the perpendicular? Thanks for asking that question, Sophie. <laughs> uh, I was, and I tried it, and I failed because I realised that the bit that I feel would be best suited to being stripey is actually the first wing, which I'd already completed. Oh. I wasn't prepared to go all the way back to the beginning. So I bought a second skein, uh, which happened to be on sale. Oh. So everything conspired to help me to make very, that decision. Very so You are a bloody satisfied, contented cat. I was feeling real good and I did some swatching for a rompille jumper. Basically, I'm stuck in spring because even yeah. though there's a million things from the summer issue I want to make, I can't. My, my knitting hands are bigger than my knitting stomach because there's, there's not really a phrase for that is I there? like how you've worked that in there but there's no rules to knitting it's fine you know you've been working True. on something for quite a while like I have put it aside it's fine yeah but yeah so like a cascade of project completion this won't happen again for another uh and when's the next meteor gonna hit that it's like every couple hundred years uh, something like this happens I'll see you then and we'll talk about it on a knit to know basis what mm -hmm. do I knit to know Lydia um, I, oh, I also finished Vara, sorry, that's, that's just Girl, a little aside. A blah, 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 I you finished things, I've been great. <laughs> For me, who's literally just saying, and no tell and tell. <laughs> um, so I have recently fallen in love with a new author. I mean, she's not a new author, she's new to me. Uh, and I do have a slightly obsessive habit when it comes to things like that, where if I find somebody that I like, I want to read all the things they've written. That's a good thing to do, I think it's, it could be said for most people. Yeah, so I've been storming through books by Ali Smith, 
um, who wrote a book called How to Be Both, which I have lent to you. Yeah, I'm halfway through. I That's wait good. eagerly to talk to you about it. Uh, and I've read several other books of hers and I'm currently reading one, highly recommended. Um, I won't say too much more about that because it's not strictly knitting, is it? Uh, what, what's, what is it about her books that uh, has captured your imagination so? Well, she has a very unusual writing style, I think. I've never, never come across a style like hers. Um, she does a lot of quite odd stream of consciousness style writing. Yeah, I, I like that. I did, yeah. It took a little while to get into, mm. but when you're kind of in that mindset of how she writes the weird structure, I, I did enjoy yeah. that kind of creatively. Yeah, and she does a lot of interesting things with punctuation, I think, and she breaks a lot of rules. The way that she writes often uh, would be edited out. Mm. Like, she does... St very strange things with like tenses and verbs and all sorts of things. Uh, that's kind of an aside. I mean, it's amazing. The way she writes is wonderful, but also I like the fact that her characters are often women yeah. set around now in the present day, so to speak, or in the last sort of 10, 15 years. Um, and I realized after I read How to Be Both, which is the book I lent you, that I had never um, been so moved by a book that I had so much com in common with, like that there are like people who live now in it and they are women and they are young women often not always um but i think i find that very compelling and it made me think about how little i have read of i mean i've read a lot of female authors but just that it is the case that more books that i've read have been by men and about men possibly we need to set up a pom-pom reading group we should do this we need to figure we out how to do like, this do the pom book club book club yeah, yeah. all right Answers on a postcard is how we do If anyone else has read that book, by the way, tell me what you think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of it, apart from I watched all of Happy Valley, which is a very depressing TV show. Oh. It's on uh, Netflix. It's like a six-part drama. Um, in the vein of something like the kind of American ones that have been happening, like... Um, not Fargo, because that was based on a film, but you know what I mean? Like the kind of very, very high-grade television. Right. Um, drama, quality drama. Yeah, like serious quality drama. I uh, watched all six hours of it. Like yeah. you'd get on the BBC on a Sunday, like you used to get. That's what I'm talking about. The tea time drama. Yeah. yeah. And here we are with our tea time <laughs> noises of radioness. Exactly. So, uh, what's your top tip for our listeners? I so haven't we... verified this with any scientific research. I haven't Great. referred to any uh, distinguished panel of. Uh, you know, experts or anything mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. I've merely plucked it from the interwebs, which we all know is highly reliable as a source. It's pretty much my only source. The uh, knitting, I'm sure you're aware of this uh, craft. I've if you it. knit for half an hour, mm. it will burn 55 calories. How many chocolate bars is that? I, I don't think, I don't want to know, <laughs> I don't mind. But I thought- It's pretty good though. As a tip, I mean, we could all stand to move more. I mean, I do a lot of sitting down, doing some then. Yeah, but if you're going to be sat watching TV anyway, fifty-five. You know, fifty-five calories. How long is an episode of Happy Valley? An hour. An hour. Oh, I mean, that's a hundred and ten. Then that was maths, guys. See how quick I did that? Did you? And I did like six hundred calories sat there watching it for six hours. <laughs> that wasn't really a tip. That was a factoid. But fun, fabulous factoid. Factoids, they're like tips. Yeah. <laughs> so the big news is that the autumn issue, Pom Pom, issue 18, 
will be released very, very soon. In fact, by the time this podcast comes out, there will be days, even weeks, maybe a week or two uh, in between you listening to this, if you listen to it, you know, on the day it's released, as we expect we you to. We do the time frame disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, Are you, you might be in the future. Are you here now or <laughs> soon? Are you future people? Uh, if you are future people, disregard. But or, or just look it up anyway, because <laughs> I think it's a brilliant issue. Um, I have to say, I think this is one of... I mean, I love all the pom-poms. I'm very excited for this one, because I think it is one of my favourite. Whoa. Yeah. Strong so praise. So far, so far. I've got to put that as the end. Yeah, the only way is up, guys. Um, but yeah, so coming, uh, coming very soon. The previews will be released very soon. You'll be able to see all the lovely things that we've got. And it's the natural dye issue as you may or may not know. Uh, so all the yarns we've used are naturally dyed. So we've got people like Sincere Sheep, uh, Gregoria Fibers, um, Shillister, all sorts of people. It's beautiful. Um, so the colors are, well, they're actually, some of them are surprisingly bright. Yeah, I think I've been led down the path of uh, thinking that naturally dyed colors can sometimes be a bit muddy. Mm-hmm. But there's some hot little numbers in there. Yeah, I mean, the muddy ones we love too, but oh. it's true that the kind of variety, um, the range of colour mm. is really quite impressive. Um, and we have some awesome designers, as always. So yeah, keep keep your eyes out for that one um, in all the usual pom-pom-related places. Instagram, Ravelry. I have to say it's my favourite because of the number of po- projects I want in it. Mm-hmm. The theme, mm-hmm. the photography, mm-hmm. the yarn, the articles. I mean, that's pretty much the whole magazine. The recipe, delicious. You guys, this, this is a treat, honestly. Big treat coming up, people. Yeah. So get ready. Hold your horses. Don't let them go. Wait for the issue to arrive. It'll be, if you're a subscriber, it'll be coming all prettily wrapped in its lovely themed tissue paper. Lovely. Hooray! All right, moving on to reviews. Because uh, after news, there comes reviews. Uh, today we are looking at <laughs> Russell Russell. Someone called Russell. <laughs> Russell Brand. Sorry. Luckily, we're not reviewing Russell Brand. So, yeah. antics. In fact, we are reviewing Rugged Knits by Andrea Range. Wrangle. Wrangle. I can't read that. <laughs> Rangel. <laughs> I thought it was Range exclamation mark, and I got really excited because <laughs> I'd written it and been excited, but it is Wrangle, excuse me. Rugged Knits by Andrea Wrangle. Yeah, it's 24 practical projects for every day. So, uh, I think it's safe to say there are 24 things that you could make. Yep, we've got clues in the titles already. Um, So yeah, it's quite a, I'd say a a wholesome rugged book. It's sort of things that you want to wear outside, Mm -hmm. year after year, Mm -hmm. those comfy sweaters, like easy to wear, nice to knit. Yep, yep, nice nice and outdoorsy. Uh, Lots of kind of cowls and nice warm jumpers. All the patterns follow her design philosophy, which is functional and interesting. Which is, you know, what could be said about me, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> she's been described as uh, crunchy, which I like that she wrote about herself. <laughs> what? Which kind of means low maintenance. Okay. And so uh, Andrea thought her knitwear should work with the pursuits that she was drawn to. So as well as knitting, um, you know, she likes hiking, she likes cycling, she likes camping. So knitwear that's not too precious. That stuff that's going to keep you warm, it's going to look beautiful, but stuff that you can keep wearing mm-hmm. again and again. Um, so yeah, I think hearty is a good word. Hearty, yes. So rugged, hearty, adventurous, mm-hmm. wholesome. And unisex. And unisex, yeah. That's the thing I think you don't get enough in uh, knitting patterns. Some nice cows, but also the jumpers and the big cardigans. Guys and gals alike could wear those. Guys and dolls. Guys and dolls. 
we're just a bunch of crazy girls. The only version of that song is that I know is the one that's on The Simpsons. Good enough for me. <sighs> so, Sophie, what's your fave thing from Rugged Knits? Um, I really like the Cardi, also the name of this, called Woolen Explorer, which is a <laughs> lopey number. Is that something you would define yourself as, a woolen explorer? Oh my god, that is me! <laughs> this book speaks to me on so many levels. Because <laughs> um, I've always wanted to do a low-key sweater, and this is sort of fueling my desire to knit it. So it's that classic, like, Icelandic, you know, fair isle yoke. It's kind of quite oversized on the model, mm -hmm. I think I quite like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it extra cosy. And there's also some socks. Uh, yeah, so it's not just garments, there's accessories as well. Mm -hmm. Called Lily Toes, partly because they're done in like an amazing bright yellow in the book. Um, but also because they're like really big welly socks so they kind of go up to your knee and they're useful, big, warm socks. It's true actually because when you wear wellies, they chafe. You don't want the welly chafe. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> and if knitting can protect you from the chafe of the welly. The chafe of the world, the cruel chafe of the world throws upon us. Just knit with big onesies and sit inside them like big <laughs> sleeping bags. Like well, we, if this was a knitted tent, it's kind of what we would be doing right now. Yeah. We should knit a sound booth. We should knit a. Why it. haven't we knit a sound oh, booth? All the answers are there. Oh my god! All right, we'll speak to you guys soon. Hey, we'll get back to you on that. We'll get we got back you. To <laughs> um, I think my favourite thing in the book is the gleaming horizon sweater. Again, gleaming horizon. Beautiful. Nice little turn of phrase there. That's what I think when I see you. Aw, <laughs> thanks. You're a woolly explorer and I'm a gleaming horizon. I'm so abstract. That's yes. me, baby! <laughs> um, which is a lovely wide neck colour work jumper uh, with a kind of geometric design. And I particularly like the sleeves. There's quite a lot of colour work mm. on the sleeves. Uh, yeah, and again, it's like kind of roomy, but looks like it would be really warm. It looks like, I quite like, I mean, I like a wide neck anyway. But I think uh, you could think, oh, but won't your neck get cold? Knit a cowl, goddamn. There's plenty to choose from in the book. Exactly. Uh, and also, you know, I know you can change the colours of the things, but the sample that's photographed in the book is in Grello. Nice. A winner. So, <laughs> it was always going to win me over. Yeah. So, that is a book we think you should check out. So, that was Rugged Knits by Andrea Wrangle. 24 practical projects for every day. Um, if you ever miss any information on the podcast, we have all the links and all the pictures and all the fun facts you'd ever want on the blog post, which you can find on the Pom Pom website. Uh, also, uh, we have a giveaway uh, which ties in with the current podcast, so whenever you're listening to this. The one for this podcast, uh, podcast 27. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I know, goodness. Podcast is almost as old as I am. Yeah. <laughs> in podcast years, you know, I, uh, this is how old I am. Um, we're having a lovely giveaway from our sponsors, The Knot House, which is for a £30, oh no, pounds, because they're in America, $30. $30 voucher. Voucher. Gift that's, voucher. That's generous. That's very generous. You Thanks get to Knot choose House. anything up to and including yeah. the value of $30. Yeah, so as Sophie said, uh, we almost always have a giveaway, so if you didn't know that, now you do. And it's another extra fun reason to look at the blog post. Occasionally there's embarrassing pictures of us. That's always something to look out for as well. But mostly the giveaway and the links, of course. Um, and there'll probably be a few pictures from the latest issue. Ooh. The new, well, it's not the latest yet, but the upcoming slash newest issue 18. Cool. So, so head to the Pom Pom website, see yeah. the blog and enter the competition. Giveaway. Good luck. Pictures. Yeah. Got it all.
And so for our interview this episode, we, uh, we, Megan and I, <laughs> the royal we, uh, we were uh, at TNA um, about a month ago now, more or less, crazily enough, probably more or less this time last month. Um, we were at TNA and we managed to talk to Thea Coleman, who you heard on the previous podcast, uh, but we also managed to talk to the wonderful Amy Hendricks, who is the dyer behind Madeline Tosh. So the dyer behind Madeline Tosh, not called Madeline Tosh, but you'll find out more about why she chose that name in the interview. Um, I think it's safe to say that Madeline Tosh is one of the better known indie dyers. She's really... Um, established she's very well established she's got a very particular style i think both sophie and i can say that we're big fans megan too the whole pom-pom team we're big big fans of what she does um and it so happens that she's not only a wonderful diet she's also an incredibly interesting person uh, and has an amazing voice sophie's nodding she has an amazingly beautiful voice (laughs) um yeah so uh so here we are me and megan talking to amy So we're here today with Amy Hendricks of Madeline Tosh in very sunny and very warm Washington, D.C. We've had a good day at um, TNNA and we're very, very excited to have Amy on the podcast. And we've got Megan here again, which is also very exciting. (laughs) Um, So hello, Amy. Hello. Um, All right. So Madeline Tosh, tell us where the name comes from. The name is not my name. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. A lot of people try to call me Madeline, which is totally cool because I love the name. But the name is my great-grandmother's name. So her name was Madeline Tosh, and that really wasn't her original name. Her original name was Lillian, um, and she had a French teacher who had the name Madeline Tosh, and I guess that French teacher was a really big influence on her, and she decided to change her name to Madeline Tosh when she was eight. So she walked to the county courthouse barefoot, eight years old, and just called, filed a name change. And oh she God. came home and told her mom that her new name was Madeline Tosh. And her mom kind of freaked out a little bit. But I, I guess she just kind of fell in love with her French teacher. And her French teacher brought a lot of, um, I guess, knowledge to her little closed world in Virginia at that time. Um, so she just felt like she was Madeline Tosh. Um, and so that's kind of where she got the name from. And she taught my grandmother how to knit, and then my grandmother taught me how to knit. And so I just really like that female lineage. So that's kind of why we chose the name for the business. Cool. And she never changed her mind about being Madeline Tosh? She didn't. I almost feel like it was kind of a persona that she felt like she had to live up to. Um, in the South, if you're... Um, a little bit different. Um, in the deep south, they kind of call you eccentric. Mm-hmm. And I think she fit, fit that bill perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was always a little bit eccentric in the way she lived her life. And she didn't really give much of a hoot what people thought. Um, she had a really strong personality, and she lived to be like 102. Wow. So um, she's a big person to um, live up to as far as like filling someone's shoes. Mm-hmm. She had a huge personality. Um, so, but yeah, no, she was, she was always proud of that name and, and talked, told that story a million times. So, yeah. yeah. It's crazy to think what she would think about the, the fact that it's the name of your business and, that, yeah. and, and, and what you do. And that yeah, kind of thing. no, I, well, she was a weaver. She was really, really into weaving at the time and she did need knitting too, but she actually wove for pocket money hmm. back in the day because, you know, that she, she grew up really, really poor. 
so that was a means to, you know, buy extra clothes or buy an extra pair of shoes. You know, it, it was what she needed to do at the time to make ends meet. So mm-hmm. when, when I started the company, I, you know, I was doing what, you know, I was passionate about in order to kind of make ends meet. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't come from a wealthy background either. So I think she would, if anything, I walked past her on the street, she'd just give me a slap on the back. <laughs> you know, I, I think she'd be proud in that way because yeah. that's the type of person that she was. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, and she's from um, a tiny town in Virginia. So I think she just was really isolated and she just thought her French teacher was just incredible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she just did what she felt like she needed to do <laughs> that day. And now she lives on in in yarn form yeah. <laughs> through you, which yeah. is very cool. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, I think, of Virginia women that you know, I've spoken to that, that they think the story is really, really neat because there's a thousand and one Virginian women that are just like that, that have those kinds of stories in their families of strong female characters that have led their families. So, you know, why not, why not honor women like that? Yeah. Cause they're I'm, all around us. I'm a Virginia woman. I'm going to have to look for mine. My strong, my strong female, uh, <laughs> you're the strong Virginia oh, woman. Oh, maybe that's me. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have a, a great-granddaughter who will name a company after you one day. Right, right. <laughs> oh, my name's not as cool as Madeline Tosh, though, so... Maybe I can, you can fix that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you, don't, you don't need the name, you just need the heart. Uh, the next question is one that we kind of ask everyone, which is, uh, who taught you to knit, or what's your earliest memory of knitting, or yeah. craft, I guess? Yeah, no. My earliest memory is, um, I spent every summer in Atlanta, Georgia, with my grandmother, um, sitting on a couch learning to knit, like you know, whatever acrylic yarn we had at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think the first time um, I was eight and my grandmother was a redhead, I was a redhead. So I was always really close to her. There's just something that bonds redheads. It's just <laughs> maybe it's the fight you have when you're you're defending yourself as a kid. Um, but she, um, she taught me how to knit pot holders when I was eight. So we made a lot of those. And then just every summer after that, when I visited, we would always just be sitting on that screen porch you know making some kind of project that summer and it was just it was just always something we did together and then I kind of revisited it at 16 and then I took it up again when I had my first um, son and I really got into the idea of you know making something natural for him or just making clothing for him Um, and that's when I started looking at the patterns online Mm. and then I revisited at that time and and then that's how I started getting into dyeing. Yeah that leads us to our next question which is you know, you started dying and we're selling on Etsy and that's like how we started selling mm-hmm. stuff as well. But, um, how, d- how did you get into it and like, what approach did you take to it and your background before that and how that led into it? Like, yeah. my approach was completely wrong. I just, I did everything <laughs> wrong. Yeah. My, my approach was completely one of total ignorance. Um, cause I, I, picking the colors that I wanted to do for the baby things I didn't want to do baby blue or baby pink Mm -hmm. and so kind of at that time that's all that really was available and so um and I had an art history background so I was kind of anal about color and a painting background and I wanted like a specific color you know everybody and everybody feels that way there's like just the perfect color for a project Mm -hmm. and I know if I feel that way everyone else feels that way Mm -hmm. so I was like well screw it I'll just I'll just dye it's the specific color that I want so yeah. I started playing around with um, Kool-Aid packets, and then I played it. I just, you know, we didn't have a lot of money at that time. and just had a kid, so I got a library books and, you know, just kind of figured things out on my own. 
And then I had some extra um, skeins, so I tried the Etsy thing, and I just put them on, and they magically sold. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what the heck, you know? <laughs> so it just kind of grew into kind of a pocket change thing. I could um, make a little bit of money on the side, um, staying at home with the, um, the newborn and just things like that and it and it just kind of grew out of there I just did it more and more and I would put things up and they would sell and obviously I liked it but then other people liked it too which was so weird so I was just like <laughs> we know the feeling yeah <laughs> right so I was just you know and it just grew from there little by little until mm -hmm. until the day that I asked I kind of like set my kitchen on fire and then I decided I need to yeah kind of maybe move out of my house mm -hmm. it's getting bigger than my house yeah and so I rented my first, you know, industrial bay, which was basically like just a big garage. And next to me were like electricians and then on the other side were woodworkers. Mm -hmm. And they were like, what's this girl doing? Like, what's this lady <laughs> doing up in our industrial park, you know? Yeah. And it just kind of grew from there. And but, did the business side of it come naturally as well? Or has um, that been? The business side, I think the hardest part the business side came naturally because I I was just raised to, you know, if you have a job and you need to get it done, nobody's going to do it but you and you need to butt your butt and, you yeah. know, do it. So that part came to me. Um, but <laughs> that, was, that was Lillian. Yeah. <laughs> but I think as the business grew, the things that I really had to work on more um, as we brought on employees, I had to learn about, you know, working with people and managing people. And that takes um, a, a, a different level of skill. Yeah. And, you know, the, those are things that are their skill sets that, you know, that I had not dealt with in the past and those are business aspects of management and things that you know it takes it takes a good team to to deal with that and work with it yeah mm -hmm. your but, team seems amazing yeah 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 so we really just tried to focus on bringing people onto the team that had a high level of integrity because yeah. that seemed to be a really good thing to focus on to keep everyone working together and not people just working just by themselves mm -hmm. and that always seemed to be a good formula yeah so um more color related questions <laughs> so it's clear from the yarns that you dye um and from how successful your business is that your passion for color is endless <laughs> and you clearly um have a real knack for it um but can you tell us what it is about color that you find so inspiring like why you've made it your life essentially yeah i i don't know i um I I come to terms with my obsession with it, mm -hmm. and, you know. And people ask me, do you, you know? Do you really obsess about? I I do, I do obsess about color. I'm sure if I saw a psychologist, he would say it's a problem. But <laughs> for um, for me, it's just normal. It's it's always been like that ever since I was a kid. You know, I would just go down the street, or if I was you know doing something, whereas other people would stop and watch people, I would stop and watch the color. You know, and mm -hmm. it's just it's just I've I've just admit to myself like I was born that way. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of indulge in it and I used to resist it, but I just, I can't, I just give into it. And so I'll stop and see something. And to me, I just have to deconstruct the color until I can see what's in it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's helped me to teach my color classes and to also to listen to other people's responses to color. Um, but I think the thing that I find fascinating about culture or color um, is that it's always changing. And so I, I kind of feel sometimes like I'm on a treadmill running to catch something that you can never catch. Mm -hmm. 
because color never freezes. It never stops, you know. So it's kind of like trying to ch- like catch a butterfly because mm-hmm. it's always moving. Yeah. You know, when you look at a tree, it's always shifting and changing with the light and the colors are always shifting and changing at the same time, you know. And so there's a desire to like capture it and put it in a bottle and put it in your pocket, but you can't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what enchants you or catches you because yeah. it is fleeting. Mm. And if that's going to be my life's work, then, well, you know, that's fine with me because, I mean, I've, I've always loved that. And so, that I mean, that's what I live to do is just kind of, I'll see things, and if, if I can figure out how to interpret it, then that makes me happy. And yeah. that, that really is what drives me. And, you know, people ask me, does that really happen? Yeah, no. I mean, that's really <laughs> what I do. I'll wake up yeah. at 1 o'clock in the morning, look at the ceiling, and be like, oh, that there's peach in that. That's why that color didn't work. It had peach in it. So and I'll have to get back to the dye pots the next day and, like, layer peach under the purple or something, you know? Yeah. But, you know, for me, that's what I do. That's that's how I think. And you're so lucky that you that you knew what that obsession was, and then you get to, like, yeah. do it now. No, I didn't always know what it was. No? I mean, I... It took me a while to figure out, you know, what's wrong with you, you know? <laughs> yeah. It took me a while to figure out, like, what, like, to, to fo- it was okay to feed that, you know, that obsession a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then once I figured out that, you know, it's because ha- I needed to make or I needed to paint or I needed to create. Mm-hmm. And once I got that out, that I felt better. Yeah. Then I was a lot happier, you cool. know. I tried to do the, the lawyer things, the paralegal thing, you know. And, but it... It, I just wasn't able to do it. Mm-hmm. I had to go back and do the, you know, the artistic thing, and, and I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's um, the most recent color you've created? Um, I think the most recent color that we created right before we left, I was so excited because I'm always trying to figure out how, how can we apply the dye in a different way that's never been done before, which mm. is kind of probably an impossible thing, but I still try to do it. Um, but we kind of tested out um, an application that was really similar to watercolor mm-hmm. to where we could hit we could hit the skein of yarn with the dye, but then we could just wash it across the skein really quickly. And I've been trying to do that for a long time, and I think we finally pulled it off. So I'm really excited about that because I've been wanting to be able to duplicate watercolors just like you can on a um, paper mm-hmm. in the same way to where it's a really soft wash on yarn. and. And I think we're finally being able to pull it off. So I'm, so I'm actually really excited about that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Both me and Megan are like wide-eyed. <laughs> Very cool. All right. The next question uh, of mine is like, uh, because I now live in Texas, I want to know if there's anything about your immediate surroundings or you grew up there, right? Like how does that influence your sense of color, or any of your colorways? Yeah, the, the, I, I think Texas um, is such a diverse area. Uh, it's got so many different parts. It, it offers a lot of, of colors to play with. Because the northern area of Texas has, um, like, the Cross Timbers area actually has a lot of trees and um, a lot of, like, everything from bur oaks to live oaks. But then the Big Bend area has deserts almost exactly like Santa Fe mm-hmm. or um, that have, you know, all kinds of cacti and um, roadrunners. So the palettes can really um, vary a lot. And so there's just a lot of inspiration to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find myself a lot, though. One common thing that I 
really, really tune into are the um, the open grasslands mm-hmm. and just getting really, really caught up in just the shift of color in the grasses and all the different um, neutrals and the tones that the grasses um, can change into over the course of the seasons. And um, But yeah, I, I definitely have a definite obsession with browns. And yeah. then just, yeah, just the shades of... Um, of just neutral grays or, or French grays that basically are browns that mm-hmm. are the grays that are warm mm-hmm. in color. And I, I know, I know subconsciously that that comes from the grasses and the open plains, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I, that definitely translates into some of my favorite colors for sure. It's cool. just basically painting the grasses. Do any colors come to mind of yours that were directly referencing? Yeah, yeah. Um, Whiskers has a lot of grass colors and um, Antique Lace. Antique Lace is one of my favorites. Yeah, (laughs) it's totally, yeah, it's just totally winter grass on an open plain. Mm -hmm. Um, And Wildflowers um, also is something that we've done on the direct cell site that will eventually probably take Mm co-cell. And it's it's basically the faded end of Wildflowers and along with the, the dead grasses. Yeah. So, yeah. I did, you know, before I moved to Texas, I, I, you know, a lot of people come to Austin, for example, and don't expect it to be green. And then we drove to Marfa, so going towards Big Bend, mm-hmm. and it's like you're on another planet, mm-hmm. and uh, it's amazing. But um, the one thing I had no idea about were was wildflower season, yeah. and it's almost you know the Northeast has its fall colors, you know, in the trees, but yeah. Texas has wildflowers, and they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's and if you really watch how the wildflowers shift over time, they actually will bloom in in opposites on the color wheel. Mm-hmm. So you'll have like um, purple thistle will actually bloom with a lot of like black eyed susans, which are yellow, which are opposites on the color wheel. Yeah. So it's like you know nature knew the opposites on the color wheel and and, <laughs> and you know it, it it invented it before you know anyone tried to actually scientifically plot it out on a wheel. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's endlessly fascinating. But yeah, definitely the grasses get me all the time. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah, I think neutral colors is something I've come to through knitting. Yes, I didn't know I liked brown until there was a beautiful brown yarn. Yeah, Basically yeah. until people, <laughs> like until you started doing these colors that have so much depth. Yeah. You know, the way you describe looking at trees or looking at grasses and seeing all the different layers there are and yeah. all the different colors yeah. and then recreating that so that we can enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. Yeah. <laughs> But everybody has that in their environment. And one of my, in my color classes, I always ask people, write down your favorite color. And the most common colors are always variations on green or blue. Mm-hmm. And they always correspond to people having lived either near um, water mm-hmm. or oceans or rivers, or people having lived near um, forests or mountains or glens or, mm-hmm. you know, and that correspondence because it just, it hits people subconsciously and mm-hmm. they've taken it in so deeply they don't even realize that they're just, you know, literally regurgitating all their experiences mm-hmm. of the ocean yeah. into that color. Yeah, and I it's guess really nice. That's one of the things about color. It's so emotional. Yeah. Like, do you have, do you have a favorite color or anything even? remotely like that? Um, I probably don't have a favorite color, but I know that I'm constantly drawn to browns. Oh, yeah, you said. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Know that it, I know that it's rooted in that. I know mm. that it's, it's all those experiences with that. So it's not, I can't say that it's just chocolate brown or it's just pecan brown, but I know that those, uh, those shades, that range of colors, I'm really comfortable. Like, I'm comfortable yeah. with that shade, and it's because that's my environment. Yeah, it feels like home. Yeah, mm. exactly. I wonder what it is about me that makes me like yellow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just wondering that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, people emotionally have a, um, a po- kind of a positive um, reaction to yellow. Mm-hmm. And people um, emotionally, universally have um, a little bit more of an um, anxious or uneasy feeling when it comes to red. Mm. Now, it might not be um, used for cultural celebrations the same. Mm-hmm. Like um, in China, a lot of times um, a wedding dress will be red. Yeah. And in South Africa, the color red might be used, is, is often used for mourning. Right. Um, yeah. And not black. Yeah. So it can have a cultural significance that's yeah. different, but um, they've done scientific studies to where your mind re, um, can have a reaction and that can cross cultural boundaries. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, on that kind of cultural significance and the way that people react to and feel about color and have very kind of strong reactions, I know that not everybody is super comfortable with color, with choosing colors. So what would you say to people who feel intimidated or do you have any advice for people kind of feeling their way through, you know, maybe knitting a project and trying to decide what what color to use? Yeah, I always say um, don't pick a color that you aren't emotionally comfortable with Mm -hmm. because sometimes people will give advice and they'll say, you know, you, you need to open up your color spectrum and you need to widen the colors that you should wear. You know, if if you don't feel comfortable wearing hot pink, you're never going to feel comfortable Mm. wearing hot pink, so don't wear it. Hmm. I'm not going to tell you that, and I don't think you should be told that. There's a there's a level at which you'll feel comfortable wearing colors, and if if you feel more comfortable wearing subtle colors, then do so. Um, The biggest advice I always give is um, if you have a very kind of... uh, warm tone to your hair, like a really heavy chestnut brown or, or a, a really warm red, then I always say it's best to maybe kind of wear more of a cooler color around your face. Mm-hmm. And then the opposite is true. If you have more of a cooler tint to your hair or um, maybe a neutral gray to your mm-hmm. hair, then maybe wear a little bit warmer around your face. And that's just to create just the most basic level of contrast, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but always wear it in a value and maybe a range that you that you feel comfortable with because going to extremes one way or the other, no one ever feels comfortable with that and it's really not going to matter how good it looks if you don't actually enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so next is a question that we ask everyone and with you being a producer of yarn... <laughs> I don't know if this will make it easy or hard, but if you were sent to a desert island, what would be the one you can you can bring one base, all the colors. What would it be? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Can we get two? I don't know. Uh, um, what are the two, and then maybe we can narrow it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably um, bring Twist Light because it's it's a really good workhorse yarn, and it just. There's so many different projects and things that you could do with it. Um, being a fingering weight, you can do it big, you can do it small. But I also really love the Cormo that we get on the cell, on the site. And we just get it in limited ba- batches because we get it direct from the ranch. But um, I love the Cormo that we get. It's just it's just gorgeous. Okay, well, I'll take those two options to my people, the <laughs> higher-ups. <laughs> That's great. And our last question uh, is always, and is today, if you're an animal, which animal do you think you'd be? I would be. And why? Yeah, no, I know I would be a horse. That was easy. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? No. They, I think they're just like the, the freest souls on the planet. Yeah, definitely yeah. would want to run with the horses. Yeah. In a nice, in a nice shade of brown. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, of course you could be it, yeah. 
Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, we were having a little like horse chat earlier. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Horse yeah. enthusiast. And I was like, I love horses too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd probably have a hard time picking what shade of horse to be. Yeah. But I definitely would want to be a horse. Okay. <laughs> well, you can get back to us with the exact colour yeah. that you'll be when we transform you into a horse. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, um, thank you so much. I'm sure that most people listening to this will know who you are and where to find you. But just in case, if you want to just say your website and, and Instagram and so on. So oh, yeah, no, it's, it's all the same. So it's all MadelineTosh.com. And mm-hmm. that's basically made line Tosh yeah. for spelling. But yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Instagram, Facebook, it's all, all the mm-hmm. same name. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank it's you. Been, thanks really for, interesting. Thanks for chatting with me. <laughs> That was simply wonderful. Her voice is just hypnotic. When she was talking about colours, I was just, uh, I was in another place. It was amazing. Yeah, she's, I mean, especially for British people, I think, a southern accent uh, like the one that Amy has. dreamy. It is dreamy. Well, that was wonderful. Thank you so much again to Amy for that wonderful chat with uh, Lydia and Megan. Um, Yeah, it was a delight. All right, knitters you should know about. We're swapping between, if you were listening to the last uh, episode, we had... What would Juju do? And we'd still love you to send in your queries. Uh, we're posing your queries to... Uh, we're putting your questions to our resident uh, craft knit guru, Juju. Um, Juju the guru. Juju the guru. <laughs> um, so we do want to have... We've got a couple already, but we want to keep more. You know, really test her on your knitting dilemmas. Yeah. yeah. So basically anything that you're really like, I just... Who can answer this craft-related question? Juju can. Juju Trust can. us. And will. We have been going to her with our craft questions for many, many years. She is at the moment outside the country, so mm-hmm. she can't help us yet. But yeah, give us a big stack of questions to ask her for when she gets back. And you can do that via the Rivalry Forums mm-hmm. or um, podcast at pompommag.com. That's our email. Exactly. But so for this episode, we're going to do a knitter you should know about. Oh boy, I've really enjoyed finding about this. <laughs> yeah, so Sophie's taken the lead on this section here. A little history uh, stuff. <laughs> So, so tell me. So disclaimer is it's not really a knitter I'm talking to you about. It's a knitting personality. That's okay. So uh, so this chap's full name is Field Marshal Fitzroy James Henry Somerset. Fitzroy. But you might know recognise his name a little bit more if I say Lord Raglan. <laughs> Lord Raglan sounds like an amusing name I would give a pet. Yes. Well. <laughs> should. So does that kind of give you a little bit more clue as to this name personality? So I think raglan. Yeah. So you know, I think a particular sort of sleeve yeah. shaping. So your raglan sleeve, you've got your diagonal mm-hmm. slant from mm-hmm. your collar down to your armpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it it's allows the arm to move about without being the fit. It's being a classic too baggy. top down. Yeah. Sort of like shaping. For, yeah. For the knitter. Yeah, you'll see it in cardies, a lot mm-hmm. of sportswear because you know mm-hmm. you think of like baseball jackets. That's true. Yeah. So we're on the same page. You know what a raglan starts like. So, uh, our Lord Raglan was a British army officer and he lived between 1788 to 1855. Okay, he did pretty well. Yeah, pretty well. (laughs) And our story begins when he was injured while fighting in the Battle of Waterloo, which we all know was in... um, The Abyssal. I was going to say what date. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, it was in the Abyssal. Yeah, oh, that's very good. It was 1815. Waterloo. I just had to check my notes there. (laughs) 1815, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So yeah, he was injured and his right arm had to be amputated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fun extra gruesome factoid for you. 
Um, after it was amputated, he demanded his arm back so he could take the ring off his finger that his wife had given him. Cool. Uh, yeah. He's a hardcore dude. So then the Crimean War happened. Do you remember the date of that, Lydia? <laughs> oh, it's not, it's not an ABBA song, so no, how am I going to know? It's uh, 1853 and... Uh, oh, you were saying ABBA. I think you were saying ABBA song, which is a place I didn't know about. <laughs> so embarrassing. No, I was making jovial oh, pop music references. I, didn't, I thought Abbasson was where it was fought, which can't... Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. I just wasn't thinking. Oh my god. No, Abbasson. It's an Abbasson. So anyway... Go. Sorry, Crimean War. I couldn't... Mid-1800s. Mid-1800s, well, correct. And of course, we remember that was an alliance of British, France, uh, Britain, France and Turkey and Sardinia against Russia. I mean, of course we all remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I'm so good at pub quizzes. So, um, the prestigious... Coat company Aquascutum. Now that I do know of. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Uh, this is so many facts for this one. Do you know what Aquascutum is Latin for? Water scoot. Yeah. Water scoot. <laughs> water scooter. <laughs> what, plural. Water it's scooters. Too funny. Take the coat off. You lie it down. It's scoot. <laughs> Uh, actually Latin for water shield because their coats ah. were uh, waterproof. So ah. yeah, they were in charge of coats for the officers. Mm -hmm. In the Crimean uh, War. In the Crimean War. Mm -hmm. Interesting enough, also in World War One and Two. Uh, really? Yes. There are so many. We should have a little pop quiz. Yeah. Um, on the. <laughs> as long as I have my notes in front of me. <laughs> so, so they're making uh, the coats for the officers. Officers. Um, so when it came to make Lord Raglan's, uh, he needed a modified fit. So it'd be easier for him to swing his sword in battle with his one, you know, good arm. Right. So the tailor made his jacket with a diagonal sleeve mm -hmm. that ran from the armpit to the neck, making a large, loose armhole. Hang on a second, this is feeling familiar. Yeah, yeah. So Lord Raglan gives his name to the Raglan sleeve. Wow. He did invent it. Some amazing tailor at Aquascutum did it. Yeah, but he was just a little guy, wasn't he? <laughs> Tiny tailor, rolling <laughs> into his armpit. To <laughs> wow. That's awesome. So, that simple modification changed the, the style of the sleeves and it became more commonly used for its, uh, you know, rather than having a set-in sleeve, which mm -hmm. has its function, but it's a little more restricting to the movements. Mm -hmm. So, are you ready for the super bonus factoids for your British history? Yes. Okay, so, Lord Raglan, our good friend who we're well, well acquainted with. Hello. He became commander of the British troops uh, sent to Crimea in uh, 1854. And he was the guy who issued the Charge of the Light Brigade. Okay. Do you remember that? Did you have to do that poem at school? No. Uh, it's a good poem. Okay, I'll look it up. If you have to do choral speaking, like a dweeb. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to a... Uh, <laughs> Polly does thunder. <laughs> so, uh, it's good fun. It's good fun. <laughs> dweeb. Dweeb. <laughs> Um, so the Charge of the Light Brigade, which was uh, lots of British casualties, there was no mm -hmm. gain, mm -hmm. um, so it's a big uh, stuff up by the uh, British. <laughs> I yeah, probably should say. <laughs> so it was an unfortunate situation. Mm -hmm. um, so who led the people in the Charge of the Light Brigade? None other than the Earl of Cardigan. Oh, does that mean that Mr. Ragland and Mr. Cardigan were buds? Yeah. No way! Yeah. Oh, Ragland and Cardi. <laughs> British factoids are their best. British war factoids. Um, so originally, uh, it was a wool waistcoat. Well, Cardigan was known as like a wool waistcoat. Mm -hmm. oh, no, it wasn't. It was just the wool waistcoat was like something that British officers wore in the war. Mm -hmm. um, and despite the Charge of the Light Brigade not going well, uh, the war was won 
and Lord Cardigan, he changed his name to Lord Cardigan now because he's not an earl, he did very well in the war. Good um, his popularity led to the popularity of this woolen button-up thing, mm -hmm. which became known as the Cardigan. And he gave his name to the Cardigan. I would like there to be an item of clothing that's good and named after me. The Lydia. The Gluck. The Gluck. <laughs> Glucks kind of sounds like a very or hard... Or just Gluck sleeve or something, you know? Gluck sleeve. We can make this. Cool. Wow. Good research, Sophie. I'm very... I had so much You could be on QI. <laughs> so there we go. Some fun. as a knitting aspect you should know about. That's what this... Uh... Yeah. Pop quiz coming right up. Yeah. But just a reminder that we would love your questions for what would you do? And you can send them to podcast at pompommag.com. Also, any suggestions for a knitter or knitting personality from history that we should know about? Yeah. Also, yeah. to the same address. And I'll get my Pomcast elves on the uh, research. <laughs> so top three, you know, the summer sun is out. Um, we're eating ice lollies and running around parks. What's a better top three than kids' TV programs? Because kids should be sat inside watching telly <laughs> when it's sunny. That's how they grow up to be good at pub quizzes. <laughs> That's how they get to be good at telling really bad puns, because they get to know all the facets of the human language. Exactly. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we decided top three um, summer-related things. We couldn't really think of any, because we only have about four days of summer here. So... <laughs> Yeah, alright, so top three kids programs. Sophie, I'm going to make you go first because you're looking at your list. I'm very excited. You've got it out. So, um, bit of a curveball. Not sure it's going to be... Wait, we need to qualify this because oh, it was top qualify. three TV sh kids TV shows that we watched whilst we were children. Not cool programs you watch now because they're fun. Have to be things that you watched within the age bracket. I'm thinking like at least under 15. Defo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. that's what I've gone with. Yeah. Alright, sorry. I've got, strong, I've got a very strong list, don't worry. I so, yeah. hope so. Number three, it's a curveball, I'm not sure if it's as well known, uh, it's a, f not film, it's a TV program called Aquila. Rings a bell. BBC, mid-90s, actually based on a book uh, about some boys who find a spaceship <gasps> built from... Ro I remember this yeah. TV show! So they find oh a spaceship, which is like a Roman spaceship, and they get to like go on all these adventures with it. I completely forgot about that! Aquila oh is Latin for eagle. We're just on it with the pub quiz facts here. That is so. I'm gonna go and watch clips from that on yeah. YouTube. Strong. It's, it's, what more could you want than finding your own flying machine? That's amazing. I want nothing more. Why hasn't it happened yet? I know. I'm waiting for the day. Waiting. <sighs> cool. Okay. Very good. Good, good. Very yeah. good one. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Approval. Uh, we've gone My down approval. like chartered lane already with you. Yeah. Let's further down. Let's turn the corner on the avenue. <laughs> Left fork, right fork. Yeah. We don't know. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes. That is such a great show. What? It's so great. It has magic. You know, who doesn't want to be able to do magic? It has a talking cat, Salem. Oh my god, and I love that puppet. It's so... It gets better during the series. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> get a little bit better at it. And her aunt, Zelda. And Hilda. And Hilda. What, what couldn't you learn about the human condition and families and relationships? Such, and Harvey Kinkle, I mean... Oh my god, it's if, just getting better. If you didn't, if you, you know, if you didn't have a non-threatening TV personality on television to fall in love with, then Harvey Kinkle was your go-to. I forgot his name was Harvey. 
Kinkle? <laughs> His name was Mr. Kinkle. Monsieur Kinkle. Oh, Mr. Kinkle. <laughs> oh, that is such a good one. Okay, yeah. how are you going to top that, man? How am I going to top that? I'm going in with the classic of Blue Peter. Interesting. Oh, I should really? have you'd go for Blue Peter. Why? Because <laughs> I wanted to be a Blue Peter presenter. I still do. It's still little. time, man. still time. I actually went as far as looking up the uh, process once. When I was... Good. Yeah. You got a Blue Peter badge? No, it's the course of sadness. Well, then how are you going to be a presenter? Constant sadness. I don't have to. Basically, the... Oh, you don't have to? That's good to know. No, but the, basically the part of the form was like, don't quit your day job because it's really hard. But it's okay. Blue Peter, a classic institution, you know, arts and crafts, animals, travels, challenges. What could be the wrong with the world if you could make stuff out of a fairy liquid bottle? I remember them making that um, replica of Tracy Island. There you go. Games. Every sort of facet and of the, pets. the... Yeah, the pets. Dogs and the cats. There was that... It was a socks game. The, they, the unfortunate incident. <laughs> Poor they call, Yeah, the people voted yeah. to name the animal and they chose something different. I mean, <sighs> I can't see where democracy would go wrong like that in real life, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so who are your favourite Blue Peter presenters then? Oh, well I was the generation of Katie Hill. Yeah, and, I love her. But I think Matt Baker. Yes! If, you know, that, that cheeky chap, he's good at gymnastics, good at riding horses. Good at gymnastics? Yeah, there's so many facets. He's, he does presenting of um, stuff in the Olympics. Does he? So many facets. There's something so wholesome about Blue Peter, which is why it's so good for the soul. Pop quiz. Who's Connie Huck married to? Uh, Charlie Brooker. Nice. Don't, 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 touch, me. don't touch me on my Blue Peter. Connie Huck, for those of you who didn't grow up uh, around the time that we did in the UK, was also a Blue Peter presenter and is married to well-known angry angry guy, Very satirist, yeah. uh, Charlie Brooker. But yeah, you know, his acid wit aside, there's something that will soothe the, the soul of you by watching Blue Peter. It's true, I did watch Blue Peter every day Yeah. Um, until I was like 12 or whatever. I spent a long time making uh, short lists for this, uh, and I came. I spent a long time thinking about the Smurfs, mm -hmm. who didn't make it into the top three. I can't stand the Smurfs. Fair enough. That's why they didn't make it into the top three. Because you thought, knew how I feel. No, because I just thought they're actually really, really annoying, and even though I did watch them quite a lot, I don't want to watch it again. It's that thing I realised when you were a kid, and the stuff you watch was just utter rubbish, but you'd rather watch that than do homework. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd rather do anything. Um, now I'd be well up for homework. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else didn't make the cut? Just this is me just going down memory lane. Uh, Art Attack. Oh my word, Art Attack! As if we didn't put that in a top three. But oh. I'm sorry, I don't want to go back and watch those. My criteria had to be what would I watch now, because otherwise it was like an endless list. Right. So, oh, man, I can't choose between the two I've put for number three. Okay, I'm going to go with the slightly more obscure one because I want to know if you know about it. It's a bit like Aquila. My th number three is Ocean Odyssey. Do you remember this TV show? It's an Australian TV show no. about a girl who could swim and like talk to whales. Oh, that sounds good. I think it was called something else in Australia, but in the UK it was called, I'm pretty sure it was called Ocean Odyssey. Yeah, and this girl was like, sort of had like sort of slightly supernatural powers. Like Ooh. she could breathe underwater for, That's you know, cool. a bit too long. And she was like, superhuman stretch she lived by herself on this island and me and my best friend Hannah Jones used to love that show whenever we went we went swimming together quite a lot we'd always play Ocean Odyssey and like see how long we could hold our breath underwater um and I just loved it okay 
So number two. Okay. Oh, I can't decide. Um, I'm gonna go with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, because I, I absolutely loved that show. And one of the main things I liked about it was that the reporter lady was called April. And my birthday is in April. Oh. So I was like, hmm, I hurt. That link tenuous is my yeah. I'm gonna stick with it. And you know, it took me many, many years, of course, to realise that all the turtles were named after famous artists and things like that. Um, Who says telly isn't an educational one? Exactly. But I remember um, a very specific moment in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where I learned that duck meant to uh, squat down so mm -hmm. that you can't see because there was a joke where somebody went, duck! And somebody went, where? And I was like, what? And it was, anyway, and then later on I learned and I grew. I learned after I got <laughs> my head knocked. Turtle, turtle power! So that's number three. Just as a side note, Mr. Ben was my alternate for this one. Do you remember Mr. Ben? Oh, that was good. He had like, it was like a little animation where he was trying on stuff in a fancy dress costume. Yeah, he'd go into, he'd go into the fancy dress shop and try on an outfit and then he'd like go into like, if he was wearing a cowboy outfit, he'd be in like cowboy land. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm breaking the rules by bringing in extra. I'm like just wide eyed with nostalgic <laughs> wonder now. So number one, and there was no contest for this one at all. Never was, never will be. My favourite kids TV show is Trapdoor, which many oh, people... Oh, I know this, but yeah. I've never seen it actually. Okay, so it's um, a stop motion animation with a uh, plasticine, I'm pretty sure. Um, and we had like a VHS of it when I was a kid. I never saw it on TV, I don't know if it ever was on TV. Man, it has the most amusing 80s theme tune ever. Don't you open that trapdoor. And it's got a skull that can talk and spider that doesn't talk but makes like <laughs> noises and there's a thing downstairs and there's Burr, and he's the guy he's like the main dude and there's the thing downstairs in the trapdoor oh no sorry there's the thing upstairs which is his boss essentially and there's like crazy stuff that's trying to come out of the trapdoor and it's like oh how's he gonna deal with it and it's always like something kind of gross and like monsterish um man we watched that show all the time that's my favourite kid show. Oh, I'm feeling more happy and nostalgic and warmed by the my couples Stay warmed. away from that trapdoor. One of my friends once pointed out that the theme tune for Trapdoor sounds a lot like a bad 80s Leonard Cohen song. So I'm just going to leave that with you guys. You love Leonard Cohen so I, I mean, do. He's got happy. a few clowns. Um, yeah, so that's our top threes. So that was it. That was your podcast. That was pretty good. <laughs> I think that was a good one. Oh, well, it's always good. It's always good. Um, it's kind of fun being in a little den. Yeah, we should do it. Well, do it more often. How about next week? <laughs> next month, even. Then both of those are fine for me. All right, so we'll be back next month. Until then, uh, stay happy, stay healthy, and keep knitting. And stay away from that trap door. <laughs>
Send any feedback <laughs> or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum. Bye.